0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that teaches you how to be the very best dog owner your dog could ever wish for. And today is special because we have a special guest.
1: We have a very special guest. Now, along our path, and uh, we we meet lots of cool people, and one of those cool people who we met a good few years ago now, we've actually visited in person and we've been to the centre, that's actually Caroline. And she's going to tell us lots more about the centre in a minute. But first off, I suppose, huge, huge, huge welcome, Caroline. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, when you got into the, the crazy world uh, that you're in, because we absolutely love what you do and we know how much passion and uh, mission that kind of takes. Yeah, tell us a bit about you.
2: Hi guys, um, it's been amazing. I work in rescue. Um, I work with an animal charity up in Carlisle. And yeah, I just love working with rescues and making a difference to people's lives. And that is definitely my powerful why. Why do I do this? I just love getting up in the morning, making a difference. I have an amazing team and the animal-human relationship is so, so special. Um, and it's just it's just really amazing. Go on, give um, us, um, give us the, a shout
1: out, Caroline. Who do you work for? You can tell us.
2: I work as the general manager for Oak Tree Animals Charity, who have the most amazing team of staff and volunteers. And we work with dogs, horses and cats. Um, but what we're doing is we work, uh, we re-home animals, but we also work in our communities, try and keep pets and owners together wherever we can.
0: Wow wow that is cool that is really cool and so what we'd love to know about because they, this uh, we know the work that you do but we want everyone and everyone all over to be aware after of it.
1: being at the center with you and watching like you just said about you you, you mentioned your team and your powerful why yeah. and your mission and why you work with um rescue actually and um, we know how much this means to you and we know how much goes in because we we saw your day-to-day life yeah. and we know you you've, you've been a long-standing um, sort of um, you been you've been aside us for a long time you've been amazing as a, as a student and and equally having your own mission against it so we know
0: how much passion goes in here right yeah absolutely and so what does a kind of typical day in your role look like what what's a typical day in the life of the centre
2: we have an amazing team as i said and they've got little they've got individual departments and our small animal team our dog's day starts with a toilet walk the most important thing in the morning is the toilet <laughs> walk um having been in the kennels overnight they have got flaps to the outside so they can go outside but actually we just need to get them out and about and get them into movement um so we always start a toilet walk which would involve with some form of activity so the guys take them out and it could be something like we take them to our woodland we're so lucky we've got a 72 acre site and we've got woodland we've got field, we've got paddock we've got so many options for mm. them um so it might be that they go out for a toilet walk and do some foot targeting in the woods they we've put targets around the site um so there may be some nose targeting so you might you might be taking them out for a nose target bit of fun and it might even be that you go for a cardboard chaos, but it all depends on that dog and how they're feeling in the morning because things happen overnight um you may have sort of that pheasant's gone off, or we haven't fit it's just after fireworks night and then we've got some very stressed dogs so they actually might do sniffari. and just go and have a wander around the site and have good old sniff and have great fun and then after that as with every dog breakfast is the most uh, to be fair they that's their really exciting important piece (laughs) of the day important part of the (laughs) day breakfast brilliant (laughs) um so again they have an enrichment breakfast so we use wobble kongs we'll use destruction boxes snuffle mats. again it all depends on the dog and what what really floats their boat um and then really the team will start looking at um, what needs to be done for those dogs during the day. Um, and what is there any vet visits? Uh, do we need to have we got any people coming to see that dog? So we know really what's happening. So after that, each dog will have either they have two exercise activities. So one would be. A, a, formal, a, a more formal exercise. So, in terms of they might do some free running in the paddock with some proximity games, um, they might go for a nice walk on the road, uh, they might do some agility, some parkour, some scent work, Hoopers man training, or just go and explore our sensory garden. And we've got a little lovely little wooden snuffle run. Now, this, this centre does not
1: sound like a, a rehome or a rescue centre at all. This sounds like a, a day spa or a.
0: I want to book myself in. Yeah,
1: we're ready. We're ready. We're all in. Um, and, and I mean, so, so you, you've, you've come about this in obviously tr- traditionally was a rescue um center and at the same time this sounds like it's been repurposed and and you guys sound like you're like rocking it with a whole new way like wh- like these these don't sound like typical um typical days right like this sounds pretty special
2: no it really is a typical day i love that it's really, that. It's really important that every dog is individual every dog's got its own personality its own needs and our job as a rescue and rehoming centre is to find the right home for that dog, without it coming back. You see so many dogs in rescue going out, coming back, going out, back, going out. And what we want to do is get the right matches, really know our dogs, and actually chill them out. A rescue environment is not somewhere any dog wants to be. It's not. It's every dog wants a sofa. Let's be honest. Um, and what we're looking for is to give them a, as much of a chill out in our environment. Really, well, see if our doctor gets assigned a caseworker um, so they will take them to the point of intake, to the point of really getting to know them and beyond, because it's important that we continue that lifelong journey with them because our aim is to, once an animal's found that right home, is to keep it in that right home. So
1: give me an example, Caroline, of um, and, and obviously we're thinking typically dogs, although obviously absolute cats is in the making, <laughs> um, but we are thinking of typically dogs. Um, give me an example of, of how a, might, a dog might find their way to you. So how they might find their way into the centre in the first place, right from, I don't know, examples of maybe young dogs through to adult dogs, through to older dogs or maybe senior dogs. Like, Tell me how they might get to you, a few of the um, scenarios that might end up um, with you guys.
2: Absolutely. Most of the dogs come, but there's such a variety of ways that dogs come to us. Um, most of them will come through a phone call from somebody. It could be an agency worker. It could be the owner. It could be the owner's support worker. It could be any, anyone who phones this. Um, and our first question has to be is, is this animal really up for adoption or is rehoming the right thing or is it something we can provide as a community to the community out there? So, for example, is it just a training thing? Is it something we could actually provide a trainer for them to keep them in that loving relationship because no one gets a pet to give it up? Mm -hmm. So, what we want to do is, first assessment is, is rehoming the right pathway or is there another one? Um, Assuming rehoming is the right pathway, then what we would do is, yeah, they just come from all sorts of different environments. It could be behaviour issues, um, so things like separation anxiety. Particularly, we're seeing at the moment um, as people return to work, uh, we're also seeing some people being, some dogs being fairly overwhelmed by coming into uh, people being at home twenty four seven. So their whole life has changed and turned up from where they had the sofa to themselves. They've now got families <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> um, so I that's that. <laughs> so it, it, it's very very confusing. So we're seeing dogs coming in from there. Sadly, we're also seeing dogs coming in for financial reasons, um, relationship breakups. And we do have, as a charity, we have a fostering programme to support those who are fleeing domestic violence um, or who are homeless. And ideally, our aim is to try and provide short term uh, fostering so that once these owners get back on their feet, they can go back uh, so that they get their sort of companion back. But actually, sometimes it doesn't work out and we do have to rehome them through that route as well. So there are so many different ways that we get dogs and there isn't really a typical one. No, it's great. It's
1: wow. it's it really is great to great to hear the variety of yeah. reasons. Really,
0: and I, I, something that really excites me about everything that you're saying, Caroline, is that you know these dogs they've come from um, potentially environments where they they kind of were were not in control of their environment. Let's say, and then they they're moving to a rehoming centre, and therefore they'll feel even less like they're in control of the environment. And yet, what you describe in their typical day of you know nose targeting activities, of cardboard chaos, of, of of um, Foot targeting, you know, two feet up stations. The exciting thing about that is that's actually empowering those dogs to interact and control their environments in, a, in it, with a history of actually potentially feeling quite out of control and quite overwhelmed. So, like, I, it's incredible.
1: It is incredible, and and yeah, for both Tom and I, I know we had our um our, our tour of the rescue and rehome centres, um and that was a it was eye opening and at the same time, um yeah, it's just a, a great thing to to work within and, and learn so just thinking um times of year and um how it might work in terms of does do, i suppose does the rescue center have any times that are busier or quieter like how does it work and i suppose has um the the last sort of um crazy year or so had any effect on <laughs> on you guys like how how has that um affected the world but i suppose number one what about crazy busy periods or quiet periods crazy
2: period busy periods. i would say the rescue is always busy (laughs) it's it's one of those environments that is very seldom quiet and it's different seasons um and different reasons uh we often find in a typical year um older animals being given up just before christmas where people are thinking about so
1: sad i literally this like a friend of mine said the same at vets that they have People visit the vets around Christmas for for similar reasons. I just find that yeah. so sad, um, and so Christmas can be a busy period for you guys.
2: It really can be with people obviously making way for a new pet, or alternatively, um, they, they're getting the pet at Christmas, which is fabulous. Um, and then maybe six to seven months down the line, where they haven't quite thought it through, and that wonderful puppy has become a little bit more excitable mm. and a little bit more of a handful. Again, they're looking at thinking about re, uh, relinquishing their. And in terms of the cats, because obviously Absolute Cats, as you said, is on the way. (laughs) It's coming. April Fool's. As soon as we get to mating season, uh, we're we're absolutely inundated with kittens. So we start to see kittens coming through from about March and for the rest of the year. But this year has been really different. We've been fairly busy throughout, particularly with the community work. We're trying to keep pets in homes. Um, In terms of relinquishment, it's actually been a little bit quieter this year, whereas people have found the time. What we're all concerned about in the rescue world is actually when life starts to get back to normal and people have to start going back to work or changing their patterns. Then we're going to start seeing some of the issues that we're anticipating, such as the separation issues or actually have I got the time for this animal? And I'm afraid we're all expecting a little bit of a boom early next year um, in the UK where we are going to see animals coming in for adoption.
1: And in terms of um, you guys, your um, your setup, your team, who you guys are, you you, I suppose you're ready to be flexible and adapt to change, and know that I suppose there's never a typical day, right? Like, so that actually works really well within the way that we learn, the way that you guys are. I know you guys are game changers. I know you're all uh, very much in the the game changer world with us. I suppose you flex and you adapt to whatever the needs are as much as you can. <laughs>
2: absolutely every day is different every animal is different and every owner is different and so we are so fortunate we've got um 37 staff and 217 volunteers actually when i last looked at our books and each and every one of them contributes amazingly to the life of our charity and this is an evolving world and it has been since i've been involved in rescue as well and beyond (laughs) that and different challenges are faced every year so we have to adapt we have to innovate because our job as a charity is to serve our community and serve the animals and owners in our community so we need to adapt to their needs respond to their needs and find the right solutions I love
0: that I love that so um yeah the the community work side of things really kind of excites us because obviously that's you know an opportunity to like save a relationship and and make a
1: difference yeah and
0: and part of that like game changer manifesto is that no dog or relationship is is ever lost so with that tell us a little bit about the kind of work that that happens there to to really support these owners and these relationships what
1: do you actually do like what does community work like I for sure have my interpretation of it and I'm sure Tom Mm -hmm. does Actually, it'd be amazing to hear from, from you, Caroline, knowing you kind of had a lot of this. Like, how does it work? What is it?
2: I mean, we truly believe that being proactive and trying, as you said, trying to save relationships. Yeah. Um, because rehoming is a last resort. So what that might look like is some short term food bank support. So if somebody is struggling to feed their pet, it may be that way. It may be that somebody needs some support for one off FET bills. We may be able to help in that situation. But actually often it's about behavior and training. We had a in twenty seventeen we did a survey and forty one percent of our intakes uh, were actually due to behavior and training reasons, wow. which That's crazy often isn't it? could have been picked up and stopped really early on and actually some of them had we had the facility at that point to be able to help us to keep them in the home we would have done so from that we established our training team um so we have very fortunate we've actually got five five pdts on our staff team oh just explain Um, that
1: so for the people that don't know uh, five pdts on your own team so five pro dog trainers on your own team Yes. Wow. Like, that's incredible. That's so cool. and
0: just just <laughs> while we're on that, what have you, you know, with having pro dog trainers on the team, what have you found that's facilitated in the the work that they're doing?
2: I think what it does is it gives them a very innovative way of thinking, a very different way of mindset. And it's a great way to communicate to owners because what and volunteers who may not have some formal behavioral training it may not and obviously owners when they're getting a pet don't mm-hmm. so what we want them to do is to be able to use these games they're things that everyone can do everyone can be involved in and it benefits the animal um and they're really really great ways to transform lives so what it's allowed us is to have really positive optimistic approaches to finding solutions for our dogs Wow. So so that sounds like, I, I think it sounds
1: incredible. And I think it sounds like a level up on a lot of the um, centers that I've for sure visited. I think it sounds amazing. Um, tell me on a day-to-day basis, what might the trainers do, Caroline? So like, how do the trainers get involved? How do they get involved in the community or, or do, where, where do they train? What do they
2: train? How do they input? How does that work? Okay, well, they train... On site With our on-site dogs, so they'll work with the caseworkers to develop an individual training plan for each dog when it comes in. And that will be monitored with the caseworkers throughout their stay with us, making sure the volunteers and the staff who are dealing with them are equipped with the right games, right approaches and the right things for that dog. Um, and from that, we'll then also work with a new owner when they come to our centre wow. to make sure they're equipped with the right games and actually understand how to apply them and why they're applying them. Because that's a really key thing is actually they understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and how this will progress and to have a real long-term relationship. And in terms of our community work, what we want to do is get our we, – sorry, we have our team that go out and run training classes um, in the in our, in our centre of our community. We offer one-to-one sessions. Wow. Uh, we hire out our paddocks. We do some online workshops. Uh, We do telephone advice. We will literally give you any advice you need to try and keep your pet in your home if it's the right thing for you and your dog. Nice.
1: I think that's really nice. I think that's a really special opportunity for so many people. Just remind us again, Caroline, the name of your centre and whereabouts you are.
2: We are Oak Tree Animal Charity and we're in Carlisle, Cumbria in the UK. And I think the cool thing
1: is that actually um, that you guys um, have, um, well, you've, you've, I suppose, ripple effects, Like, but like for Absolute Dogs Methods, it's huge because then that goes, the games-based learning not only goes through your trainers, through all of your volunteers, also throughout the whole community. And I, I just think that's magical knowing that there's a, well, there's a game for that for a start and there's, <laughs> a, there's a way forward rather than finding the problem because it's so easy for us to find the the problem right
2: it really is we hear a lot he's oh he's a rescue and actually that's not an excuse your each, dog. Dog, is, your each dog. dog is individual and they're fabulous and I'm really sorry that phone's just got off. <laughs> sorry. Can I just turn that right? Don't worry. That's don't fine. worry. We can't even I'm hear going it. To reject reception. We can't really even hear again. it. Oh,
1: yeah. It's don't a busy really. reception. It's a typical day in the life of the reception. It's all fine. <laughs> <laughs> so um, sorry. No, you're, you're absolutely yeah. fine. What, one other question I had, and I thought this was a, a an interesting one. When a new dog comes into you, what's your what's your process? So a new dog turns up. Maybe they've been um, they, they've been left with you, or maybe there's been a process beforehand. But what's the process from the minute you get the dog? Like, how does that work?
2: the first thing we do is when the owner comes in or whoever is relinquishing that dog because obviously it may not come from the owner um, and the first thing to do is is to give that dog a little bit of time um if there's anything that's absolutely obviously we need to get a vet to then we would deal with that but actually if we can let's let the dog settle in let's let the dog start getting calm so we'll start doing some some of the calmness protocol work we'll give them something in uh, some passive enrichment toys um we will just really try and get them settled in their their cage or their pen depending what's on the species or the field before we start working with them um and then we get a caseworker will get to know them they will sit with them they will get to know them they'll start assessing what needs to happen to that animal and only when that animal is settled in would we start looking at some of the things like the more the more invasive veterinary work um and that average can average t- on average is about that's about three days so it's not It's not a huge amount of time, but it's just getting the right process and the right speed for that dog. Um, Because, as as I said earlier, every dog is an individual and it's really important we work at their pace. Obviously, as a charity, what we want to do is minimise the amount of time they spend in the rescue environment, because it's as if every dog wants a sofa. Um, But we obviously need to make sure that we're not overwhelming an animal and we're working at their pace. But while that's going on, our caseworker will be talking to people who are looking for dogs. They'll be thinking, oh, I spoke to that person last week. Actually, that might be a great match for this dog. And starting to develop how that dog's plan can go moving forward. Wow. Well, it, sounds, it does sound like an incredible process.
1: And it sounds like you've absolutely nailed it. Like, you know, you know where you're going. So... If there was anything you could say to an owner who had um, or was considering um, getting a, a rescue dog in the future or a rehomed dog in the future, what would you tell them?
2: Well, firstly, you're fabulous for giving a dog a second chance. Um, so many of the dogs we see aren't here for, their own, for any reason of their own. They haven't got behaviour issues. Something's happened in the owner's circumstances that meant they've ended up in a situation in a rescue centre. So firstly, thank you for doing that. And the second thing is, Train that dog in front of you, and that really is the key message. Please don't give him a label because actually he isn't. The rescue dogs are fabulous. We've got ex-rescues here that are in the local mountain rescue team, finding people and saving people. Wow. We've had we've had rescues um, entering high level agility competitions. Actually, even one um, performing at crafts. So. You do see some amazing rescues. Every dog has potential and find the right avenue and talk to people, including the Rescue Centre, who will have rehomed that dog to you to see if you can get the right outcome for that dog.
1: It sounds it sounds incredible. And it was only last week, actually, um, that I was working um, with the police force and one of the dogs that found quite a large, substantial amount of money was, in <laughs> fact, uh, a previously a rescue dog. So, um, yeah, I completely um, love what you, the, the message you give um, there, Caroline. I think that's really special. So... Other than that, Tom, any final quizzing for our super Caroline, <laughs> got, who is yeah. the always oh, got one? I've he's got, got one.
0: one. I've got one. What would you say, Caroline? Were kind of your top three games that you think are especially kind of transformational with the the rescue dogs that you work with? Top three games.
2: I think one of the first things we do is it, it's a proximity game. So middle is always something that is such a great. Neutralizer for what we're doing, and we get that proximity, uh, and also is a great thing. So middle definitely. Um, when a dog first comes into a rescue centre, we often play go commando um, because what again, Caroline? We we go can take things like oh, shh. Not we, so our, our oh, team and our volunteers will work with the dog around us, getting used to being comfortable, particularly with the caseworker, mm-hmm. and we can start to gauge how a dog is how confident they are just to
1: clarify for everyone go commando for those of you that are not lucky enough to be part of the training academy or pro dog trainer caroline is not getting a kit off no behave yourself <laughs> that,
2: that would scare that the is, people away
1: <laughs> caroline is most definitely playing a super cool game where basically what we're looking for is our dogs to to climb all over us now if you're not already part of the training academy that's something you might want to explore later but just like you said caroline Go Commando is a game of confidence, right? It's a game of um, actually sort of seeing where we're at.
0: Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And another really great game that we love to use in the centre a lot is Cardboard Chaos. Uh, Again, getting them a chance to have a look through boxes. And we can gauge a lot about a dog from its reactions to that game. So we can start to look at actually how confident is that dog? We can build that dog's confidence. What do they like to explore? What do they like to do? How do they approach? And you can really get a picture for where that dog is and where you need to go with your training I, so those oh, will be my top I love, three
1: i love the fact that the ripple effect of the games is like really in so many different spaces like i think that's so exciting when you say look cardboard chaos it rocks and i'm thinking wow only a few years back we hadn't even really like had this as a, i i love it i love it it really it does excite me
2: well I love the fact it's also a huge excuse to shop on Amazon there you go, there you go. other <laughs> providers are available yeah no we're the I same
1: literally any cardboard box available uh, it's, a, it's a it's a, super cool game isn't it that actually you can teach so much yeah. through through um, separation confidence noises yeah. so much you can work and with and what there.
0: I love about all the, the, the three games that you've mentioned there is the dogs really driving the learning the dogs you know mm. the dogs actively giving their consent and driving the, the process which for these dogs where um, you know they're coming into a t- totally new environment they probably feel like they have absolutely no control over the events of the world they're actively interacting with the environment getting positive outcomes growing optimism and really getting prepped for their for their new life it's it's brilliant absolutely brilliant
1: so caroline before um Before you go, um, or before we we go, is there anything else you want to tell us about Rescue, Rehome, or what you do? Or is there anything else you want to share with our listeners, just because I know it's a special opportunity? Equally, if not, we've had so much from from you, from well, from all of you, because I know it's all of the team that are behind this. But if there's anything else you wanted to add,
2: I think it really is. It is a team effort. And I would say the more that we work together, as animal charities, as individuals to improve the welfare and lives of the dogs, the more impact we can make. And I think that's the key element is we all get up in the morning in rescue, regardless of which rescue you're in, to make a difference to animals. And that's what we want to do. By working together, we can make such a difference. So for anyone who's thinking about rescue, it's an awesome world to be in. And actually, we can do so much. And if anyone does want to get hold of us, then please do check out our website. um, And if you need any help and advice, or, or want to get this started in your own rescues, again, we're more than happy to share ideas and information. So do get in touch with us.
1: We absolutely have loved having you. Thank you so much for talking to us. And I know that actually we've kind of been um, a, a little bit of a part of what you guys do, and we love what you do, and we support completely what you guys do. So keep rocking it, keep crushing it. We're proud
0: of you, and keep changing lives. Speak to you soon, <laughs> Caroline. <laughs> Speak to you soon again. Bye. <laughs> So that was the amazing Caroline Johnson transforming dogs through games. that have they've, they've fallen on hard times. They've fallen on a situation they didn't see themselves in. And they're getting the power of games in those situations where they need them most. So well done, Caroline. That was Caroline. That was this episode of the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. We'll see you next week in the next episode. And remember, stay, stay sexy! sexy hey before you go have you taken part in the worldwide sexier than a squirrel challenge
1: it's a 25 day online video program huge energy amazing community and over six thousand people are already taking part
0: the only question is you know where you are today where do you want to be 25 days
2: from now head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy